0: Hi everyone, we are Matt and Kevin, and welcome to the Believe in Overwatch League podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us on all social media at Bleave in O-W-L, that's B-L-E-A-V in O-W-L, and Bleave.com. This
1: week, we'll recap the weekend's play-in tournament and the highly anticipated debut of Sigma into the league. We'll also be taking a quick look at the effects of Rollock and how it's affected both our competitive play as well as the league itself, the introduction to the home stands coming next season, and lastly, the recent Nintendo rumors that have been swirling around. All right, so I guess let's start. All right, I'll pull up the, pull up so, the thing.
0: Yeah, quick check-in. Uh, today's Labor Day, how's your Labor Day been?
1: Uh, I'm recovering from a con. I went to uh, I went to an anime convention up here, so Ooh, nice. hung out quite a bit. Uh, how about you, did you do anything?
0: Um, I had the sick irony of working today on Labor Day. I worked two days a week and today happened to be one of them. Then I dropped my phone in the sink while uh letting you know i was gonna set up so uh, my phone is currently in a bag of rice on the desk and uh i got a commissioned Farah art piece which is on our social media pages so that was a positive of this weekend nice but yeah the rest of it's been kind (laughs) of (laughs) crap
1: yeah i've just been uh slowly recovering from the con it's just been like a lot of uh lot of walking around and you know people sneezing and stuff. you know, conflu is definitely a thing, so just making sure that you right, right. you dodge that wash your hands be a be a good person.
0: The internet has been kind of a flame for the past week or so because of Nintendo, if you haven't heard to all our our lovely listeners um. A Switch case featuring an Overwatch logo was leaked online, I think from Amazon. So that's fueled a lot of rumors of a port of Overwatch coming to the Switch. And for Super Smash Bros., two characters for their first combat pack have not been leaked out yet. Although there have been some rumors from some leakers who have been proven right before that it could potentially be uh, an Overwatch character in the sense that it's not someone that anyone's kind of requested yet. And then a second leak tip, that it could be a character with a mecha. So people are hoping it's either Tracer or D.Va, although yesterday I was on Twitter, and as far as the mecha thing goes, uh, some people are thinking it might actually be a character from Metal Slug instead of D.Va.
1: But I do agree, like, if they are going to go in the Overwatch route, D.Va is definitely the better pick, just because we had that, uh, we discussed it a little bit earlier, but Diva has enough abilities to be used as a fighting character. Um, Tracer only has her pulse pistols, uh, blink, recall, and pulse bomb. When you have D.Va, who's got, like, you know, boosters, defense matrix, um, you know, micro missiles then her fusion drivers herself self-destruct eject all that other stuff you have enough abilities to go around
0: right and we could with that we could see kind of a return to the gameplay style of samus back when uh smash came to the wii where you ult with self-destruct and then baby diva pops out and you're playing as baby diva the way you used to be able to play as zero suit samus
1: yeah the only thing is that like we have to figure out um if baby diva's is going to be useless or just get staggered really hard um or are are you going to purposely hop off the map at that point or <laughs> like well yeah. it was a deal but uh maybe that yeah as as you stated it's a mechanic that we don't have because zero suit samus is its own thing now um and yeah. regular samus is their own character so we don't have to worry about that um but if they want to bring it back with diva go for it
0: now, what do you think the actual likelihood of a port and an Overwatch character coming to Smash is?
1: Mm, in my opinion, I feel like uh it's very difficult to play Overwatch on the Switch, not only because it's like frame heavy and like it, it requires a lot of power. Um it's also something that you can't just like bring around with you everywhere um
0: you need to connect to that wi-fi if you want to use it and not everywhere has wi-fi
1: exactly it's one of those games where if you don't have a wi-fi connection you're playing lan um and what are you going to do just sit in the training room like all day that's that's it um right like and then we we had talks of overwatch league or overwatch 2 um being Mm
0: -hmm.
1: player versus environment or pve Um, if that's the case, then that would be a better port for the switch because you don't have to worry about Wi-Fi connectivity. You can kind of do it with your friends, uh, kind of in a left for dead kind of situation. Um, I think that would be a better port and a better way of playing it.
0: Here's the hoping.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I guess we should talk about, it, it might be old news by the time this comes out, but at least it's something to mention. Uh, the delay of season 18, we, had a mini season 18 people did their placement matches and people believed it was a hard it was either a hard reset or just a huge bug um either way uh blizzard has addressed it they have taken season 18 off for a little bit and they're saying hey yep we messed up we we need to do a hot fix so they're working on it essentially what happened is um Professional players were posting like, "Oh, they did their placements, and they ended up being in like gold or platinum." Uh that's where like I sit, gold or plat, and I don't want to be facing off against Custa or Troy Hyobin Oof. or Sinatra. Okay, like I think they're they're great players. Please don't let them show up in my game. <laughs> like they're they're that good. Um, I also think like. People are saying, oh, well, that, that that might be the number that they're actually at. It's like, no, um, they're in the league for a reason. They're very good. Um, right. And even if they get placed that low, they're going to stomp every game and not make it fun for anybody else. So you want Blizzard to fix this. Um, and I really do think that that's, exa- that's what they're working on. That's why competitive is down right now. Um, they are trying to fix that uh, placement issue in terms of season 18.
0: Another thing with the the upcoming season is that, if I remember correctly, initially Blizzard said that since this is just a beta, the uh, the placement score and SR that you get's not going to carry over. I guess they reversed that.
1: I don't know if that's actually going to play in. Um, I hope it does a little bit. Um, that way, it kind of keeps like if it's a soft hard reset, which means like they kind of keep tabs on where you were. But it won't hold you to it completely. Um, if they do that going into this next season, I think that's okay. That makes the games balance and we don't get unfair games. But yeah, it, once again, balancing three SR systems might be a little bit too much for them. Um, but, you know, they, they proved that they can do it. It's just where they end up putting players.
0: I guess to, to continue off that is like roll lock, right?
1: Rolock being, you know, two-two-two. Officially, being the competitive ladder must be built off of a team that has two DPS, two tanks, and two supports. I feel like this is actually very helpful. Oh, absolutely! It, it makes games not only like you can't just swap in the middle of a game and have like four DPS that all don't do anything. Uh, you could have only two DPS who can't do anything. Uh,
0: <laughs> right. And like with how long the uh, the queues are for DPS players, like I have it, I used to run into to trolls all the time, especially with like someone picking a May or a Sim and just getting people to just get stuck in spawn room or drop drop off map. But with how long the roll queues are right now, I don't I haven't seen anyone who's willing to wait that long for a match only to kind of just troll around. Like if you want to play DPS, you're dedicated to playing DPS at this point.
1: Yeah, and the other thing about it that, at least I've been talking with my team about it, it gives you a sense of responsibility. Now, if you queue for DPS, right. your job is to secure kills. Same thing with tank and support. You always have that, like, you're locked into protecting your team, supporting your team, or killing the other team. Uh, not saying that you can't do that as other heroes all at the same time, but, you know... uh, it's it gives you a sense of responsibility like this is what you're supposed to be doing for your team, so do it
0: one well, thing that I've noticed for me is I have a really high dps sr I have a really high healing sr my tank sr and I was tank meaning i guess for the last two seasons I've been tank meaning but as soon as this two 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 came in my tanks were plummeted I don't think I've won more than five matches when i'm playing tank but when i play healer or dps i'm kind of chilling
1: yeah i feel like in in my opinion i i am a tank main i have like 500 hours on tanks i don't want to. it's not a bragging thing that's a uh sad sad boy moment um (laughs) but it it does come down to like kind of a feeling that i have like if you're playing in diamond or plat or whatever rank tank you are, right? Your tank game is only as good as the DPS who can deal the damage. Cause your job is to keep them alive. And if they're alive, they should be able to kill things, right? That's like kind of the mentality that I've had to take into my comp games. It's like if if my DPS can't hit things, I have to be the one to do it. Like I'm I'm next in line.
0: Unless you're like healer Moira and then you just get Gold anyway. yeah
1: you just throw in a ball like you you know moira's gonna be dealing damage anyways like that's her whole kit like to to deal and not deal damage like deals. um so that's why a hero honestly if we want to loop back around to sigma like sigma deals damage sigma do does a lot of damage like he does yes he protects your team yes he absorbs damage but he's also deals a ton of damage um that's something yeah. that you have to take into consideration when you're trying to play these where Where do you think like you're down in la um where do you think right you would want to see some of these homestands at it, i think that some places have announced where they're gonna put them like i know san francisco's already right. but like is la gonna grab blizzard arena again or are they gonna go like the staple center or uh are they are they looking at more diverse locations rather than, you know, just going back to Blizzard Arena.
0: The easy answer is just to keep Blizzard Arena because it's already there. And the Overwatch League fandom already knows it, already loves it. Um, we've seen them take Microsoft Theater with uh, Kit Kat Rivalry Weekend. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see if they could, at just as the LA Homestand team's fill staple center i know staple center has definitely been filled before with esports events but with everybody being so spread out now i don't know if it would be a thing i would personally love to see the valiant and the gladiators both have their own kind of individual home stadium not to get a a thing where that we've had before with la teams where like with blizzard arena they'll just kind of switch off who is the home team Mm -hmm. or with the lakers clippers you've just got them doing the same thing where they'll just kind of switch off. But I, mean, I don't know. I I'd, I'd like to see where they go with it. I would hope for two different stadiums just for the variety. But if if we're being cost effective, I think keep Blizzard Arena.
1: Mhm. I think that most of the games are still going to be played at Blizzard Arena. There's no there's well, like that's just where the main stage is. Whenever they do their home stands, they're only going to do however many teams happen to be in the league at the time. Um, so I definitely think that blizzard arena is definitely there to stay. Um, in terms of SF, they announced that they're going to the cow palace, which is pretty, it's a, it's a solid venue. Um, and then also the San Jose civic center, um, which is right across the street from where I was this weekend. I was at the San Francisco or the San Jose, uh, convention center. Um, for that anime convention, it's also a very nice venue. Honestly, if I were the SF Shock, if I had another pick, like another place to go, um, I know that IEM has been held at Oracle Arena before, and it would also be a very cool way to tie in the Bay Area's history recently. Um, considering that you know the Warriors finally got a new stadium at Chase Center, um, which is in San Francisco, you could let them, you know have their super expensive arena take their old arena it's close to bart so close to uh public transportation so anybody from anywhere can get there um and it's got some pretty good seats still it's not like it's run down or anything you have an option to right to have a very good event there and it's been proven before too like we've had IEM at Oakland for two years or something like that so uh definitely Oracle Arena is on my list of places that I want to go see the SF Shock. Um, hopefully at that time, I can, I can either be helping them out with that production or, you know, at least in the audience. I want to ask you, Matt, did you order tickets for any of the homestands?
0: No, not yet. I am kind of poor, but it's on my list of things to do that I definitely want to go out I haven't been to a game since... I can't even remember when. It was whenever they were giving out the uh, Soldier 76 statues.
1: Oh, yeah. That was a...
0: Yeah. Yeah. I remember that that day. My brother texted me. He's like, hey, they're giving away statues. Ten minutes later, I'm like, okay, are you free that day? He's like, why? Because I just bought us tickets. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) Personally, for me, for for, for an L.A. stadium, I just thought... um, I know that uh, there's a lot of really big Valiant fans at UCLA. Mm-hmm. No bias there. I mean, I didn't go to the school or anything, but I know that Poly Pavilion's a great little venue for concerts or sporting events or anything. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if, if LA in its, as it's hundredth year thing wants to assert its dominance as the, the proper LA school, that would be a great venue to see them play. I don't honestly, I don't know if that would work out just with rights and, the, the economics of it all but i mean hey it's an option. i
1: mean the sf shock were also thinking about setting up shop at uh uc berkeley as well so Ooh. they were definitely talking about there, there was hope there so um if that ends up becoming a thing you know there's definitely schools that will be down to to host it because that's also another thing that we could talk about like the bridge between collegiate and uh professional you know overwatch um if either they could either recruit for tier two or tier three from the collegiate scene, it also keeps the teams closer to like their target demographic, which happened to be, you know, right. uh, right. younger kids, especially now. Um, and also having like your team close by, um, would probably inspire, like you could have them come down and talk to kids during practice and, um, you know, give yeah. them hope and other stuff. Um, so that's gonna be very interesting to see if that ends up playing into like full on home stands or full on a uh, game, like specific places. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, I don't know, um, about pricing for for um the home stands either. So I heard that each team gets to set their own price. Um, the shock settled on sixty dollars um for some of these pre-sale games um and it's because like they're not just selling tickets for one game they're selling it for like the whole weekend i don't know if they're gonna do it for where you can just buy it for one day but if it happens to, i would hope yeah because so. like some people won't be able to make both days i feel like if Exactly. You broke it down like if general admission for for the shock it's sixty bucks. So if you did GA for like thirty five or like for one day, that probably would make it would still incentivize people to buy the full, you know, two day one if they wanted to go for both yeah, you're
0: days. Saving, you're in essence saving ten bucks. Yeah, you're
1: saving ten bucks if you're going for both days. Um, but yeah, it, it's something that they could at least think about, um, and. The other question always comes down to like what's gonna get me out of my seat? Like, considering that we are the fans, and if we don't go to this event, we're just gonna watch it on Twitch anyways. So yeah. what what's the difference? The main difference is obviously the home crowd feeling. Uh you get to meet the players in person, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Um But at the same time, like if you're just there to watch the game, you can watch from anywhere.
0: And with with the thing about The multiple stadiums is when it was at Blizzard Arena, there was one place to go. Mm -hmm. So, ticket sales, from what I from when I was there the couple times, it was it was generally pretty full because if you wanted to see it, you had one central location. Mm -hmm. With all these separate arenas, how often is it going to actually sell out? How how well is it going to do economically to be able to justify having this many? arenas and not everyone just in one place yeah plus you've got the teams having to fly everywhere Mm -hmm. whereas opposed to like now they're they have their houses and training centers in la where it was easy and central for everybody
1: yeah i feel like that was something that they can they they need to think about because you know flight travel you have to probably work on considering that some of these players are international as well like if you're playing in like seoul korea you gotta get passports for korea um same thing the other way if you're trying to go to um trying to go to europe for london or um or for the paris eternal like you still have to work on all that so i'm glad i'm honestly glad that they're bringing teams out to where they can be where the fans are where the home stand is but um we'll see how viable it is in terms of like money money wise and how the league if the league survives this year um where they'll go next because that might be something
0: plus there's also there's also like players strain to think about like there's jet lag you're you're traveling all the time and i, I don't know i don't think I, I'm, I'm glad that they're doing it yes like you said it, it brings it to the fans but is it going to affect how well the teams play if they're traveling those weekends
1: I would like, honestly, if they had the full schedule, if they are going to do, like, full-on homestands in the future, right? Like, let's say if they do build, like, like what they already have, they have, like, Fusion Arena, right, for, for Philadelphia. Um, if each team ends up building something like that, will there be, like, a full-on calendar where we'll be like, okay, during this stage, they'll go to the East Coast, they'll play this team, this team, this team, this team then go home and play a couple teams there like the same way how essentially like the other pro leagues do it they, they have a full-on schedule so you know which teams are going to be in town and versus who but overall i'm excited that the news i'm excited about the news of the home stands they're bringing it closer to the crowds um i'm going to try to be at the other ones obviously you know um it's hard to afford to have fun uh <laughs> but yeah story of my that, life. that is that is currently our generation it's like if we have money to spend we're spending it on rent uh you think that we're gonna have fun um so yeah it's gonna be interesting uh the play-in tournament we we're talking about the bottom what it was the seven through 12 position teams uh that oh, the, bottom six. the bottom six who were talking about um, essentially playing for the last two spots for the playoffs uh, was there any favorite team that you were looking forward to seeing play in this play-in
0: I was really pulling for the Dragons like I've I, I told you this before but going from the team that had the longest losing streak in professional esports or just professional sports history to playing for a spot in the playoffs and like they rocked on day one and then day two they were facing spitfire the spitfire
1: right? yeah. yeah
0: and to go face against the spitfire and push it to like last map of last round of last map of round eight that's like what when they say that overwatch league is an anime like this is true anime status
1: exactly i totally agree like the other team that i, w- I was keeping an eye on was obviously the philadelphia fusion um, of course, them, you know, they had to face the dragons in the first round and they wanted that redemption fight against the Spitfire, considering that they were the last two teams from last year's championship. So right. you I wanted to see that come back together. But, you know, the Shanghai dragons definitely pulled it out and they they're proving that, you know, last year's record doesn't mean anything. Now they're they're coming yeah. out and they're swinging. Um, that's not to discount, obviously, the other half of it. We had the charge and the hunters who are playing uh, for a shot yeah. at the soul dynasty. Um, so yeah, I thought the charge did really well. They're, they're showing off a couple of things that, uh, essentially the, the far doom fist is just showing off quite a bit here. Um, yeah. And they really and- did study their opponent with, with Chung They made sure to shut down, uh, among on the, on the hamster, just made sure that that didn't do too much. Um, but yeah, they really did their homework and then tried to bring it to Seoul. Didn't go according to plan, though.
0: <laughs> Ferris Doomfist combo is is something that I wasn't expecting to see, but obvi- I, I love seeing it because Farrah is my favorite character and my brother's favorite character is Doomfist. So just seeing the different styles of play and how they mesh really together, like Farrah is a distance uh, splash damage player where with, like, with Doomfist, you kind of need that precision and you're on the ground. Just both styles working really well together it was like i think it was a good change to see from the uh the may and reaper that we saw last week Mm -hmm. at the at rivalry weekend
1: exactly and i feel like both of them the way how they played uh the the far doomfist it's always about um collapsing and making sure that the barriers have nothing to block um it's kind of it's kind of a weird concept but it's essentially um if you get close enough they can't use their barriers. And then the other one is like, you know, you can only block from a certain certain angle. Even if you have Sigma, right. you have the Farah's different angles to really abuse when you're up in the air that way.
0: Yeah. Farah can, can use the angles. Doomfist, you can't really shield the punch. You just take it.
1: Yeah, and the only counter to that would be uh, Fortify from Arisa on that team. Or, you know, Sleep Dark. But you have to really commit right. it um, but yeah, we could get right into the matches, considering uh, we we had a lot because uh, <laughs> of the best of seven format.
0: Right. That that completely caught me off guard. I, I was telling you, I was we hit the round three and I'm like, OK, let's go next match. And then they say next match coming up after the break. And I'm like, what?
1: Yeah, there was a lot of just for me, at least when I was trying to watch it um i was like oh yeah this is gonna be very simple and then i saw the the opening it's like oh yeah it's a best of seven format i'm like oh i'm gonna be here all day <laughs> uh the spitfire dragons match like that was like two overwatch league games on its own like i right it's way too much for me but
0: that was two best of fours
1: exactly um but now we have you know first the four was essentially the uh the play. And then the other thing that I picked up on is that the higher seed got to pick the first map, which was the control. But then after that, it became loser's pick. So uh, whoever lost that map gets to pick the next map. And then also with the introduction of play ins, we also got Sigma. So we saw a lot of teams utilizing yes. Sigma. Um, and that Double
0: barrier is meta right now.
1: Yep. Uh, I think the, the term that people are using is Agents of Shield. Um, Agents of Shield. <laughs> Dear God. Uh, just because you know it is all shield tanks, and you yep. can really utilize that, uh, so we got to see a lot of that. Especially, uh, we'll go into the first match. It was the hunters, the number twelve hunters versus the uh, the charge who held the number nine position. So the Guancho charge. The first map was Ilios. Um, that was the charges' pick. They decided to go with. They still went with the Far Sombra, and then we saw the Far Doomfist as well. Um... It played really well on maps like Lighthouse. It was very closed in and and tight, so you either had to commit to the fight on the point or take care of the Farah.
0: And the thing also with the the Pharah Doomfist on maps like Well is you have both heroes can push people around, so you have to be really careful with where you're standing. Like when I think it was this this ma- match when Farah immediately throws the what's the push rocket <laughs> called?
1: Uh the concussive concussive blast. The
0: concussive blast. Yeah. And then Urissa immediately drops into the well.
1: Yeah, it I
0: should know the name of that move.
1: It it's just always like behind the barrier. And the thing is with especially with uh, Ilios well, you have that windmill on the right side. It's difficult to spot the uh the Farah that way, unless if your other Farah is already up there or you have another mobile right. hero that's already up there looking at Farah. So you can get caught out pretty quickly that way. Um and you know, I'm guilty of charge as well. It's not something that uh you you're always looking out for. Another thing to keep in mind is that on this first day, uh, they did pull out a lot of Symmetra. Um we yeah. got to see how much damage, you know, they changed the damage output with Symmetra. I don't know if it was on the latest patch. Um, if they put that into the game already, or if they're still playing on the old one. Um, but essentially the only difference between the the old one and the new one, is that Symmetra's output damage was reduced by a little bit. Um, But, you know, you still have that ramp potential and you don't lose any ammo when you're shooting a shield. So we saw teams try to run Symmetra not only for the teleporter to, like, get to the point quicker, but also to use it for um, disrupting the team and, you know, making sure that
0: damage amp. Exactly. Make especially it sure. with the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Exactly.
1: Like, if you're running two S.H.I.E.L.D. tanks, you're just giving Symmetra more damage. And you know, that that really... That was really shown, especially on this first one. And the charge ended up taking Ilios because of it. Uh, the next map that they went, it was... So, since the charge won that, the Hunters picked Ikenvald after that. Um, we saw the somber Doomfist combo coming out again. Um, lots of people call this Hackfist. Uh, we saw this in... I saw this in Korean Contenders initially. Um, they were trying to run this during the GOATS format, and it actually did quite a bit of damage. Um, because the way how Sombra works, you know, you, you hack you hack the uh, shield, you make sure that they don't have that available. You If you EMP, all the shields are gone. Um, and then Doomfish just has burst potential, so you just take out the back line, make sure that they can't, can't play the game, and you essentially have it.
0: Right. And with... with- A lot of teams running sigma without that shield without his uh his grab he can't really do much except shoot the balls and kind of is a sitting duck he doesn't have a lot of mobility
1: he has yeah literally no mobility i think the only thing that gives him like some weird mobility thing is the is his ultimate uh gravitic flux puts you up in the air and you can use that positioning to put yourself on like a high ground spot but You also can't really do too much once you get up there.
0: And uh, another thing that happens with accretion that's a really good counter for fire is no matter how high she's in the air, you hit her with the rock. Her uh, the cooldown on her stun doesn't happen until she hits the ground.
1: Exactly. So it gives you even a little bit more time to take advantage of the hit. And you could also use that time if you happen to pick off the Farah after she lands. Uh, the Mercy that's usually pocketing, is, yeah, super vulnerable at that time. Um. So yeah, in terms of Eichenwald, the charge ended up winning that, um, because the hunters ended up going back to a to a comfort pick, which is like dive. They go with the Hammond Diva. Um, it works in a little in like a. Few ways, but it doesn't really work well against the double shield. Um, only because if you don't displace the team outside of the double shield, um, or you, the rest of your team can't assist you on the other side of those shields, uh, you end up getting isolated from your from your supports. And I think we saw that we see that quite a bit actually in this game. We actually see this uh, in the uh, uh, the London Spitfire game as well. Um, when you're diving you leave your supports very vulnerable um and teams that recognize that can really take advantage of that but they end up taking out the healers first and then rotating back the other way and it really helps uh solidify their dominance i think we have to we have to highlight hotba hotba when he was on that uh when he's on the sigma it's it was the first time, you know, it's the first match that we ever get to see with anybody playing Sigma. Debut
0: of Sigma.
1: Yeah. And he plays it in a way that's aggressive. You know, it's still an off tank. He plays it as an off tank, and it does a lot of damage in the way how he plays it. He's just playing around barriers. He's just making sure that they can't, uh, can't play the game that they want to play.
0: And on the other side with the Spitfire you have Gesture as a main tank playing the sigma yeah and and just showing that potential there
1: yeah the that, and that's something that i wanted to point out as well like do you ever think well we got to see a little bit of it later but um is sigma's position a true off tank or a true main tank but with gesture playing it it gave them that option and we got to see it a little bit Jong tower um gardens fury for the spitfire as well uh swaps over to zarya while gesture is still on the sigma they were trying to counter young Jin's ability to one shot kill him being on that doom fist like always it just showed the flexibility of sigma it's, he's still not hard locked into off tank um but if you want to run him as a main tank it's totally an option
0: i like how gesture's favorite part I think I'm pretty sure it was gesture. He said his favorite part of Sigma was the boulder.
1: Cause it is. That is like the best part. It's
0: such it's such a strong move. But like now, whenever whenever I see Sigma using the boulder, I think of like three things. One, I think of Avatar and the Boulder. Second thing I think of is like Charlie Brown saying I got a rock. And the third thing I think about is like th- there's a, a clip in an old Batman uh animated series and uh, the episode it's called um almost got him where batman's pretending to be uh killer croc and they're talking about how they almost killed batman and killer croc says i threw a rock at him and it was a big rock (laughs) so i can't i can't get that clip out of my head whenever i see sigma throwing a rock because it's a giant rock and it with the way we saw gesture and a lot of the other tanks playing it it's a final blow move
1: that no- like, and opens even, up and so much.
0: If, yeah, and even if it's not the killing move, they're stunned, so Sigma can go in and with the power of his orbs just take people out. Or if not him, his DPS can focus down whoever's stunned.
1: Yeah, it also just gives another like projectile stun that um, other than Roadhog's hook, I think that's like the only like super long-distance stun that you can get. Considering that the other ones are, like, close range.
0: Is that cross-map rock, though?
1: I mean, cross-map rock is gonna be the next big thing. Like, I bet Overwatch League pros already know where the cross-map rocks are gonna be. Not only does it, like, stun you, but it also knocks you back an X amount. So, right, it's just a matter of time before they figure out, like, where to throw the rock to, like, knock somebody off of Lijiang Tower Gardens again, like, at the very beginning of the map. Yeah it's an insane ability that Sigma's got it and we got to see it being used in the, in the league. Um, it was interesting to see how some of the teams attempt to run dive. Um, especially knowing among and how good he was at, uh, at wrecking ball and seeing if Sigma actually does have any, any impact on that matchup. Um, um, do we want to talk about the Internet Hulk Award?
0: Uh for for the Internet Hulk Dennis Havelko Award, it's it's yeah. good that they're recognizing more than just gameplay, they're recognizing sportsmanship, they're recognizing like positivity yeah. and things outside of what sports is kinda typically known for, which is just performance. Yeah. It's like um, the uh
1: Magic Johnson Award, I think I forgot what they have right. for yeah, for the NBA. It's just like being able to give back to the community and also just being a solid person, you know? Uh,
0: right. So that went to a custom of the Valiant.
1: Yeah. And last year it went to Mickey who was actually a, he was one of the players who played with internet Hulk when, uh, he, you know, when he was still alive before he passed, yeah, before he passed. Um, but he was the one oh, who actually presented the him. award to. You know, I'm, I'm glad that the Overwatch League honors Internet Hulk, especially with how much he brought the community together. And um, we got to see what his team ended up being uh, when they were, you know, the Dallas Fuel now. But yeah, he's definitely had a lasting impact on Overwatch and how good of a community it is. So um, regardless of what, what team you root for, we're all Overwatch fans in the end. With
0: Overwatch League, I'm not too sure about other esports. The thing I've noticed is that you don't really see that kind of angsty rivalry that you get with other sports. Like, there, there is rivalry, hence the rivalry weekend. We have teams who are pretty neck and neck with each other and like to have their friendly battles. But you don't see the kind of trash talk and kind of animosity between players that you see with other sports.
1: Yeah, I feel like everybody has a sense of respect for each other because they end up playing against each other quite a bit, and they understand. You know, the only thing that makes you better is if you have a rival who will challenge you and make you better. And exactly, they definitely understand that in the Overwatch League.
0: And considering how toxic internet mm-hmm. internet gaming can be, sometimes it's it's good to see that in general the pros haven't succumbed to that.
1: Yep, I told I totally agree. It's all about building community. Um, but let's uh let's get back to the business at hand. We're talking about the next match, the 10 and the 11 spot, which was uh Philly Fusion versus the Shanghai Dragon. Um, the Fusion had the first pick, they ended up going to Busan. And I definitely wanted to to highlight some of these uh some of these fights when they went to downtown first. It was very back and forth, none of them could really hold down the point. Um, but the Philly Fusion ended up taking downtown. The next two points on Busan really showcased, like I think this is like the best example of why two two two, um, ends up helping a lot of teams. Um, when you had somebody like DM who didn't have a lot of play time in season, th- uh, or in stage three and a couple of the other stages because there was no real need for like hit scan heroes during the. Um, during like the goats meta, um, they had DM on like Zarya or something like that. It was it was just wasn't fun to watch. Now with the two two two, you could put DM on something like McCree, which we got to see on Mechabase because he's McCree on Mechabase. He's able to make sure that E Q O and Carpe, who are both on, I believe they were on Reaper and Doomfist in this game. Um, with the use of Flashbang and Fan the Hammer, he was able to just really take over. Um, and it also makes the fusion decide like hey do we take out dm who's dealing the most damage from a solid distance or do we actually go and contest point try to take out the rest of the team Uh, so it it gave them a lot of things to think about but ended up going 100 zero uh in the favor of the dragons in that fight and then so i tied it up at one apiece and then the dragons took it to sanctuary uh, which is that last map very tight one the one with the drum and uh yeah, DM just put on a clinic again. On that map, it's got so many long sight lines that if you're a widowmaker, like if you're a widow specialist like DM or like a hit scan specialist, y- you know that they're gonna be doing things that are insane. And DM on Widowmaker, th- nobody had an answer to it. Fusion didn't have an answer t- against that, so they they just got destroyed by it. So if anything, it shows that the the roll lock um it enables more of the DPS players to show, um, show what they're made of, and show that you know they can still hang. Um.
0: It allows a lot more variety for players that and characters that we haven't really seen in a while. Whereas for when you had the goats meta, it was always goats every time. The only variation that I really saw was if it was somber goats or something like that. We got to see uh, a lot of Pharaoh. We got to see Doomfist. We got to see junk rat we got to see uh symmetra <laughs> we got to see mccree we got to see some we got to see symmetra who we would almost never have saw before
1: there there's something that came up when i i went to art school and when we were doing like videos um they would specifically put limits on us and it, it comes back to a phrase that a lot of the teachers throw around which was um limitation breeds creativity and because now we have the roll lock limit, we have the creativity to fill it with whatever we need to, and it's starting to become a rock paper scissors kind of deal. Where it's like, if you play, if you play dive, you counter, um, you counter hardcore bunker. It, but hardcore bunker breaks down any form of like Reinazaria slow play. But Reinazaria slow play is still, you know, way better against um, a Winston Diva comp. So, like, you're getting this rock-paper-scissors uh, difference of play style, and that's only because, you know, roll-lock is a thing, and it makes it easier for teams to kind of experiment with the ways how heroes are being played.
0: My worry is that just with seeing how effective certain combinations are, like the sim against the double shield comp, or just how good uh, Pharah Doomfist is, even with the double shield comp on their side, that we're, might we might fall into that kind of just mirror match every time again. But that being said, there is there is still a lot more variety now than we saw for the a good long while.
1: Yeah, and I totally agree with having different uh different options this time. It's not just like you have to run this or you or you won't win. Um there's a little bit of variety coming in.
0: In my opinion, this the Dragon Spitfire definitely was, I think, the highlight of the entire weekend.
1: Yeah, it, if... It felt like it, it... Yeah, well, it did take up the longest amount of time. There was no other match that eight is ever going to rounds. 8 maps. <laughs> yeah. 8 maps eight is maps ridiculous.
0: Just to the end. In, the, in my heart, I wanted, I wanted the Dragons to win this. I wanted them to go all the way. But in my heart, I knew it was going to be Spitfire.
1: In my opinion, it was just very... It's just a hard game in general. Like, if anything, it just proves that you know the dragons are no longer the joke of the league. As well as that, it proves that uh, Prophet and Birdring are they're they're not washed up at all. They're still still very they're still good. Still
0: a very dominant force for DPS.
1: I think there's one that I want to specifically highlight um, out of these matches here. The Hanamura game, that was when we got to see the champions return. On the 2 CP, the dragons end up picking uh, Hanamura. The dragons have a very easy time capping the first point. The Spitfire essentially went into panic mode. They let them have 64% and then they stopped them there. The dragons tried to create more pressure, but then we got profit back on his tracer, which is like, it's essentially the one clip that we got to see from last year that won the whole league when he ended up going like 1v5 against the the fusion um and yeah we got to see that profit return just for like this entire map he he went for the tracer the scuffer pick the 2018 champs have returned this is where it happened they end up holding off the dragons with 78% on the map. But yeah, the, the main thing to take away from this is that teams are learning how to use Sigma very well, and the Spitfire have not lost their step at all. This new roll lock unlocked Bird Ring and Profit's full potential again.
0: It allows them to play heroes they actually like and want to play and heroes that they're good at that don't just fit in the meta.
1: Exactly. But yeah, the, the match after that was the Spitfire or it wasn't the after the Spitfire vs. Dragons game, uh, was the Dynasty versus the Charge, uh, the 8 and 9 seed. It felt like the Dynasty had the Charge's number this entire... Well, I wouldn't say the entire game, but they...
0: I felt it was like the entire game. They
1: definitely watched the tapes. Like, you know that they were studying. Like, they watched right. the... They watched the night before, and they're like, okay, yeah, the, the charge run this, so we have to do this. So, yeah, I don't want to say it was, like, anything... Well, I, I can probably say this. You could say that the Dynasty have some old players, all right? They got some veterans on their team. They're battle-hardened. They they remember when it was still, like, 2-2-2, and it wasn't locked, okay? They... <laughs> They played it when you actually needed a DPS player. And so because of that, we got to see like Fleta come back and play his McCree versus Nero Sfara. I think that was like one of the biggest like matchups of the night. Lots of people, including myself, honestly, on my brackets, I had the I had soul losing to, to the charge. But
0: same. I actually I did too.
1: It it was just because like they they seemed pretty dominant. They recently redid their whole uh their whole lineup. They picked up a couple of new faces. They have they have Bijou and Fraggy somewhere if they do decide to use them. But I guess it just came down to experience and understanding how the game itself works. I think that Nero wasn't ready for for the McCree um, from either of the Dynasty players. Now we can go into our playoff predictions if you want to. Uh,
0: we both agree Dynasty are gonna. Uh gonna probably fall to the titans yeah the Titans
1: are still really strong uh, just
0: because how how dominant the titans are and they've proven with this new meta that they're not just a goat's team like so many people predicted that they they've adapted really well and they know how to play around the two-two-two pick i'm not sure who I've, i have for spark v gladiators i know you said you have you have the spark winning that one. i have the spark i'd like to see the gladiators win i'd like to see gladiators win just for the la pride mm-hmm Um, but L.A. Pride hasn't really gotten us very far. See Exhibit 1, the L.A. Lakers. (laughs) Um, We love them, but they're a hot mess.
1: I'm also on the fence about this, but I say the Spark just because I feel like their tank line is going to be stronger. Um, I feel like whoever can utilize Sigma the best out of these two teams are going to win. Right. But at the same time, the Gladiators have Sure 4 and Hydration still in their back pocket mm-hmm. in terms of DPS. So we see how important the DPS line is for, um, we saw it for the Shanghai Dragons and other teams where they were using right. the Doomfist Fara and other things like that. So I feel like the Gladiators have that in their back pocket, but whoever could use the tank line, I feel like is important.
0: Yeah. We didn't see either of these teams play with the new uh, Sigma meta. So this is going to be new for everybody, I guess. mm mm-hmm also do we have a nickname for doomfist Farah? uh we need a fun nickname
1: flying fist i don't
0: that's what i was thinking flying fist or rocket fist but rocket fist is actually his move yeah i think flying fist is a fun one
1: yeah it it would be interesting to see if like the casters come up with anything like i could probably scribble down an idea and end up coming up with something um eventually (laughs) yeah um but yeah, um, I mean, the the funniest joke that you can make anime wise would be like Saitama and Genos. <laughs> you, oh God. You, have, you have the one punch man and the machine. Uh, <laughs> right. But yeah, um, we'll see. We'll see if that ends up playing out, uh, especially in some of these matches. As you said, uh, we haven't seen some of these teams even play with Sigma yet. So um, we'll see if that comes into play. Um, especially in these next couple of games here. Um, NYXL versus Spitfire, we're both split on this. <laughs> you mm-hmm. have NYXL, yeah. I have the Spitfire. Um, this is the the only reason why is because I feel like history is going to repeat itself.
0: <laughs>
1: okay. Um, NYXL are very good on paper. They are very good at their DPS line. They know exactly what they want to do. But they have a t- sense of choking in these big, these big stage things. Okay, uh, I think it's gonna happen again. But if not, that's okay. <laughs> I kind of do want to say though. I want to see Obe come back on stage, please. Uh, bring him back and let Profit go Se-Biove. one v one. V1. Like him versus uh, him versus Profit is like something that I'm actually looking forward to. Um, so good thing we get to see that next week.
0: And finally for Shock the Rain, we're both putting shock on this one.
1: Um I'm not biased. Um, but I sat down oh, not, at, not all. at all. Um <laughs> I'm not from the Bay Area or anything. Um but in my opinion, it's just because I actually sat down next to Nevix when we were at the California Bear Cup. Um this was before Sigma was announced, and he's like yeah essentially they're having me play these crazy like extra heroes um just in case of something if, new, if a new hero pops up and so that was before sigma was announced the next day sigma was announced right, right and then i ran into him at another event um yeah i ran into him at an earthquakes game san jose earthquakes game and um I was like, so are you practicing Sigma? And he's like, yeah, that's exactly what the team's having me do. And so I'm like, okay. Okay. That was their pocket strat. They kept Nevix under wraps and they let him just study Sigma. And so I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for that party to either be, um, it's either going to be super and Choi or super, or I could even see Nevix and Choi. he Ho- playing at the same time. Um, it could happen. Uh, I'm not discounting anything. Nothing against the rain though. Like they do have a very strong uh line, I think. If
0: I mean they had to have to have made it this
1: exactly. way. Exactly. So um I think the breakdown for this is that the Titans and the NYXL are seats one and two. Um so whoever loses out of that um will end up dropping down to the lower bracket and facing each other there the loser of the Vancouver soul game will end up facing whoever loses out of uh, the glads and the spark. And then whoever loses out of London and New York faces off. Whoever loses against SF and Atlanta. Um, Okay. In that case, I actually, well, I have London winning against New York, but then I have New York choking again against Atlanta just because I feel like they, they would do that. Uh, <laughs> uh sorry I don't I don't have any faith, but uh, <laughs> history tends to repeat itself, especially in recent times.
0: As a history major, yes.
1: So let's just let's hope that the New York Excelsior know how to use Sigma like super well and then maybe they turn the tables, but we all know that like things are gonna happen this upcoming meta.
0: All right. I think I guess that that wraps us up for this week.
1: Yeah. So next week we were talking about playoffs, and then out of the eight teams that are remaining, by the time we come back, there's only going to be two, uh, two of them that are going to be eliminated. There'll be six left. Um, two of them will be in the lower bracket. Two of them will be gone. Four of them will still be. No, wait. It will be two in the upper bracket, four in the lower bracket to eliminated. So that will be That's right, that's right. That'll be a thing. Uh next week. We gotta look forward to it.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Like what you hear? Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And follow us on all social media at Believe in O-W-L. That's B-L-E-A-V in O-W-L. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to send us an email at Believe in O-W-L at gmail.com. Interested in advertising with the show? Please contact our network at Believe.com. Thanks for tuning in and see you next week.